as time goes on, the police officer comes in. They're questioning me. I have no answers. He said, is there any chance you've been sexually assaulted tonight? And I was like, I don't think so, but it could have happened, and I'm not aware of it. And so he is, we're going through all these things, and then they come back with the toxicology, and it shows on the toxicology that my alcohol limit was low enough to be driving. Welcome to Consignment Therapy Podcast, where we hand down our experiences on dating, sex, relationships, mental health, and all the bullshit in between. The good, the bad, the ugly, the do's, the don'ts, or the fuck it, just do it. I'm your co-host, Kenzie, a 30-year-old divorcee, dating app connoisseur, single for the first time since I was 17, and my favorite color flag is apparently red. And I'm your co-host, Jen, a 31-year-old anxious attachment in recovery. I give off major dad vibes when traveling, planning, or decorating of any kind. I'm a sucker for a Bud Light. And if you're mean to me and have a beard, I'll probably fall in love with you. In the last episode, we had touched on funny, bad dates. But as we all know, out here in the dating world, we also have those dates that are bad, that are not so funny. And I think we both have our fair share of those and one in particular that we had last summer. And I say we, even though it wasn't both of our date, it was your date. But in the end, it ended up affecting both of us. And I think in the dating world, talking about these kind of dates or these types of situations and trying to normalize them to like destigmatize the shame and like guilt that comes with them, I think is something that's super important. And I think that's one thing that we have to touch on here and on this show is letting other people know that you're not alone. Because in this one particular situation, I did feel so alone. And then the more I talked about it, the more I realized there was all these people around me, both men and women being like, hey, I've had that happen to me. And I didn't realize how common these kinds of situations were. Mm -hmm. So also uh, potential trigger warning as well. Major potential trigger warning for this. It's just talking about, you know, things that could have led to things like sexual assault and date rape and things like that. So if you are sensitive to subjects of sexual assault and date rape, I suggest that you skip past this episode and continue on to the next one. Oh, I hate this story. (laughs) This story is tough to talk about, and I feel a while back is when I started feeling more comfortable talking about it, but this is the first time that I've really gone into the details and publicly talked about it. I talked about it a little bit last summer, but I didn't really go into the details of the entire thing, and mostly because there is still a lot of that feeling of shame and guilt and having that stigma around me, even though I know that it's not my fault and it wasn't your fault. And it's one of those things that happens more often than we realize. And it's not even just in the dating world. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize how common it was until I started talking about it and having all these other people be like, hey, you know, don't feel alone. That happened to me. And this was my situation. And Last summer is when I feel like we were kind of dating pretty hard. Last summer, we were both a kid free again last summer. And we were, you know, going on dates with multiple people that summer. And there was 
we always talk about safety and we all I feel like we do a pretty good job mm-hmm. of being precautious and is that a word? Precautious. Cautious. I feel like we do a pretty good job of being overly cautious when it comes to dates, but I feel like there's just those certain people that no matter what you protect yourself from or the right choices that you're making, that if they're just a bad person, they're going to be able to jump over those hurdles that you're Mm -hmm. putting up. And I feel like that's how this happened last summer. Yeah, because with this date that I went on, I think I did make the right call. I shared my location. I met him in a public spot. We, you know, I updated you guys along the way. We, you know, didn't tell where I lived. It was just like everything that you're supposed to do on a first date, you check off those boxes and... Nothing bad happened on the first date. That was the scary part. And it was a great first date. (laughs) That's the other scary part. This guy was well-educated. He was handsome. He was well-spoken. Fun. We had chemistry. Uh, Like, lots of green flags, too. He looks so normal, too. He's so tall, and he's got, Mm -hmm. like, that thing that we like about him. The tall, dark hair, Mm -hmm. beard, dark eyes. And, like, they really was... What I remember of that interaction that night, mm-hmm. he was very charismatic and just very charming just from mm-hmm. I knew of him. And it's scary to think that somebody like that can be so dangerous and you actually never truly saw it coming. Yeah. So okay. we matched on a dating app and asked me on a date and, you know, we talk about love bombing a lot. Something that I didn't really see. Again, we just went on one date, but we talked on the phone, went on our first date. Again, it was a great first date. Um, we sat at the restaurant for probably a couple hours just talking. We just had a great conversation. It just flowed. And he was so fun. <laughs> and I remember the one thing that, looking back now, probably was kind of a what I would call love bombing maybe or a sign that he was, I don't know what the word, I don't know what you would call it, but we walked past a photo booth and he was like, hey, I know this is crazy. <laughs> It's so stupid now. He's like, but I have a feeling that I'm going to want to remember this night for a long time. Can we go in the photo booth and can we take a, can we get pictures? Like I just, I'm just having such a great time. Like I just feel like I want to get a picture. That's what's awful is because there actually is times where you can be having such a good time with somebody and that they're not, they don't have bad intentions. But then again, it comes back to what we discussed in the last episode. We're like, yeah. what's the fine line yeah. of love bombing and normal reaction to something? What is sweet and genuine and sincere? And what is manipulative and, you know, prepping Unhealthy. you for disaster? <laughs> it's hard to tell. Hey, I'll tell you what. Last year I was like, hell yeah, we can get a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I was like not aware. I was not prepared you know, I felt very comfortable. And so, yeah, we did the picture thing and then we went, I don't know, we just bounced around town. And then the night ended and then it wasn't until the next day I started to like replay everything in my head. And I was like, something is just, there was just a couple things that he said. I remember I came over to talk to you. Yeah, you came over for and dinner. I was like, man, that date was so great. I was like really excited. And I was like, but you know what? There was a couple things that he said that that didn't hit right and I don't know if I is that enough to walk away or is that you know I hate to just walk away for a couple little comments but something's not right and um it was it was comments about um not seeing his kids which seemed weird he said that there was a crazy story with that that I wouldn't 
it was really difficult for him to talk to. He would answer any questions that he that I wanted to ask. I, I was allowed to ask him anything, but it was so difficult for him to talk to that he couldn't talk about it without crying and like getting very emotional and very upset. So naturally, I'm not going to ask any questions. Then right after that, didn't he also say that his kid's mom was crazy? Yes, and- he called his ex. This is a huge red flag for me. The way that you speak about women and the way that you talk about your ex, I don't care how nasty things blow up, but he called his ex a crazy bitch. And those two things were just like, I didn't like that. And that's a mother of your kids. And like you have a whole ass ex-husband and you have many negative experiences with your marriage, however you want to spin that. And you do your very best to spin everything in a positive. You don't ever talk nasty about him or say, say that he's a bad guy, especially you protect your daughter. You never, ever say anything about him. There's just a way that you speak about someone that you used to love, I think, and that said a lot to me. Especially when you're a parent. Yes. Especially when you're a parent, because if you think about it, it's like how a man talks about his children's mother is how he's going to talk about you. Yeah. And, like, that doesn't change. And so I understood why you felt that was a red flag. And then when you came over for dinner and you were telling me this stuff, I said, take it from somebody who's a mother. If I was on a date with a man who said, my ex, who is my kid's mother, is a crazy bitch, that would be it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom. But I feel like I know well enough to know that that's, it, like I said, it just didn't sit right with me. It was, this was all my body was telling me, like it was just a gut feeling. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm not going to see him anymore. I'm going to pull back. I wasn't ready to say, I didn't know how to tell him that did, made me uncomfortable and I didn't want to see him again for those reasons because I didn't want to hear the backlash. I was worried that I would get yelled at or he would have excuses or he would like talk me to have more reasons or he'd make me feel stupid. So I was like, I don't feel like my reasons are valid enough, which I know now is not the case, but it, I'm just being completely honest. I didn't feel my reasons were valid enough to cut him off. So I just decided I felt safest to slowly pull back and I was like I'm just not going to see him again if he asked me to hang out I'll be busy I'll do a you know I was not as confrontational as I am now (laughs) which I feel like also not only is it just not because you were not confrontational at that time and I wouldn't even say you're confrontational it's more of standing up for yourself and speaking Mm -hmm. your truth I think the reason that you also did not do that with him is because of the gut feelings that you had. I don't think that's just because you were just like, oh, I'm too weak to confront him. Or Mm -hmm. I think in your gut, you knew that if you had done that, something would have Mm -hmm. been a type of repercussion from that. So I don't think, do not fault yourself for how you handled that. You handled that the way that your gut told you to handle that. Yeah. So fast forward, what, four days later? I can't remember when our date was, Tuesday or Wednesday. Because we go out on a Saturday, we go to the bar we're, you and I are having a great time, you know, it's girls night. And all of a sudden he walks up behind me and he's like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, I didn't really think much of it. I was like, Oh, Hey, I I wasn't scared or anything. I was like, Oh, it's crazy to run into you. Like, how are you? You know, it was not terrible to see him. Hey, you know, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, it's girls night, you know? And I had, of course, mentioned Kenzie a thousand times on our date because she's my one and only friend (laughs) and I was still you know trying to meet people and stuff and he immediately was like well let me get you guys a drink like what's what's going on and 
you know, and then he gets the drink. He hands me a beer. And at this point, we had each only had one, like one drink prior to this. Yeah. He hands me a drink. I hand it to Kenzie because you drink Michelob Ultra. I don't really drink that. And then yeah. he hands me another drink and he got me the same thing. And then he and we're standing right at the bar yeah. with him within like a foot of yeah. him during this entire interaction. Yeah. But I will say my guard was way lower only because I had already been out with him. We had bounced to like four different places and... Well, obviously, we were drinking on our first date. I, you know, don't you think if someone has bad intention, it would have happened then? Something like that was the last thing on my mind. So, and then the, immediately, as soon as we order those drinks, he starts trying to separate us. And he's saying stuff to me. And he's trying to get Kenzie. He's saying to Kenzie, let's find you a date. Let's find you a guy. And I'm thinking, wait a second, this is girls' night. I never, what did I say to make you think that you and I are together now? Like, and this is I one of those, that part is like something that over time I, my brain has like slightly remembered. And I faintly remember, like, I don't remember what I was wearing this night or what he was wearing or like, I just, or where we were exactly at in the bar when this was happening. But I do faintly remember him walking me around the bar by myself and saying to me, let's find you a guy. You, you're so beautiful. You can have any guy you want here. Which one do you want? You show me and I'll get him for you. And I just remember being like thinking, well, I don't want a guy. Like, I don't, I don't want a guy. I don't want anybody in here. And that's like only from that portion of being at that bar. That's the only real main thing I remember is him walking me around mm-hmm. trying to get me to like pawn me off on some other guy. Yeah, and then fast forward, I don't know how many minutes later, but there was one point where you were talking to someone, and we were sitting at this big counter, and he was talking to me, and he had his hands on either side of the counter. Like, like nothing that he said was threatening. Nothing that he said was forceful. But his body language, he had his hands on either side of the counter, and the way that he was talking, and he's like, I got ditched tonight. My buddy left me. I don't have a car. Can you make sure I get home? Like, basically asking to spend the night, and I'm just thinking, how is this, what, now, why is my friend awake for me? This isn't what I wanted. Now, now it's me and him, and where is she? I'm telling you, my whole body, I was so sick. I was just knots in my stomach, and I'm just, and I just knew that I'm, like, laughing, and I couldn't say anything, because how do I say, you're scaring me, and you're not saying anything scary? I can't, I can't explain how scary that was, <laughs> just being there with him. Uh, I said, oh, you know what? I got to go to the bathroom. So I grab you. You were just like two people away. And, uh, we go to the restroom and we're talking about trying to get an escape plan. I was too afraid to get a bouncer because I think that's what I realistically should have done. But I felt so silly and so stupid for being scared for someone who's not saying anything or doing anything. If I would have told him he made me uncomfortable, I think I felt like his response would have been like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said anything. Please go. And it would have made me feel stupid. That is, I think, the biggest mistake that or maybe not mistake, but that's what people do. These men or women, whoever it is, if you're being manipulated, they know what they're doing and they have that easy out to make you feel ridiculous. (laughs) No, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. And these girls... to basically gaslight you and turn it around on you. Yes, yeah. yeah. The whole time I felt it was everything was my fault. The whole time I felt guilty. 
I felt, and I felt bad for leaving him. Like I'm this jerk that gets this free drink and now I'm ditching him and, and I'm mean and I'm bad, but I'm telling you, like I said, I just, I had to listen to my gut. So these girls, these really nice girls overheard us in the bathroom trying to plan an escape. And they said, Oh my God, are you guys okay? And we're like, actually, no, we don't know what to do. We're not sure what to do. And they're like, we're going to go get our boyfriends and they're going to help you get out of here and you'll be fine. And we're like, oh my God, thank you. So they got their boyfriends and they kind of just walked us out and we sort of just avoided him. I think he was maybe looking the other way. I don't know. I was looking at the floor. I was scared. <laughs> Didn't want any confrontation. And then instead of going home, we went to the next bar because we thought that was a good idea. <laughs> and we're dancing. We kind of forgot about it. It was like, whatever. And we're, you know, just ready to enjoy the rest of our night. Because nothing, at this point, nothing has happened. Right? Really, nothing has. And then we, we went to the next bar. We were only there for maybe 10 minutes. He must have seen us leave because he followed me or us. And then he comes right up to me and he said, what's wrong? What, what happened? What's the problem? But the scary part about going to the next bar, and this is another faint memory I have from that bar, and, and because I've been there before, is that place is packed back mm -hmm. to back. Wall to wall. And we're short people, mm -hmm. so we're not easy to spot. Mm -hmm. And from what I remember is watching him beeline straight to you. Mm -hmm. Like he knew exactly where you were. And I do remember you freaking out and just leaving. And all I see is like your body heading towards the door. Mm -hmm. And I, rem I don't remember exactly what I said to him, but I remember yelling at him. And then a guy next to me said, are you okay? And I said, no. And I go, I just follow after you. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we had a cranberry. Both had a cranberry and vodka. I didn't finish mine. You finished yours. Mm -hmm. And I sat them on the table mm -hmm. and left. And we that's the left. last thing I remember. Yeah. So well, I waited for you outside because I wasn't going to leave, leave. I just had to leave him. <laughs> yeah. And you were right behind me. And I, yeah, it was either the guy or the bouncer. I couldn't tell because I was, I was so afraid to look back. I didn't, it was like. I didn't want to look at him. I didn't want to make eye contact. Like, I was just, he was like a monster. I don't know. <laughs> I just didn't want any confrontation. And, uh. So well, it was your body telling you that something was wrong. Yeah. So, someone said, like, hey, let them go. I, I heard that. So, I don't know if it was the bouncer or maybe it was that guy that asked you if you were okay. But he didn't follow us out of that bar. You and I sprinted to my apartment. Sprinted to my apartment. And then you said... We, we kind of talked about how crazy the night was and you're like, hey, I don't, I got to get home. I don't feel good. I'm out of here. And I'm, and I was not worried about you driving home because we had two and a two half drinks. drinks. Yeah. yeah. Barely two drinks. And I was like, okay, great. We were sober. We were still sober when we left mm -hmm. that bar, the last bar. We were still sober. Mm -hmm. So there would never have been in my mind, even though I don't remember any of this part, in my mind, I never would have said I need to drive home if I thought for any reason I would not have been safe to drive home or no, like putting any bus in how, danger. You know how you can have. I my rule is I if I'm if I know I have to drive, I don't have more than two drinks. Yeah, because a DUI is my worst fear. And I would never put myself in a position to be drinking and driving. Yeah. So I, even though I don't remember it, I know for a fact that I was mm -hmm. sober leaving your yeah. house. That is one thing that we can say. As much as we like to be goofy and have drinks and throw that. Neither one of us are no. drinkers and drivers. So you left and I went to bed. I, I had, I put two corn dogs. I put, I wasn't eating. That was when I still wasn't eating meat. I put two vegetarian corn dogs in the toaster oven, slammed those, <laughs> went to bed. 
And then I woke up to 30 missed phone calls and voicemails. And I essentially found out, I know that you don't remember any of this. This is all secondhand to both of us, but um, you end up in the hospital. Yeah. So this is like one of those, it's like, these are mostly things, some things I remember and like some things that like are fed to me from other people. Mm -hmm. And so I guess when I was at, and this was going back from my phone records the next day and like looking at who I called, apparently when I was at your apartment leaving, I had called our friend Jake out in Los Angeles and I was talking to him about like how crazy our night was. And I apparently drove from my house to, from your house to my house, which is probably like a seven, eight minute drive. Mm -hmm. And the entire time I was on the phone with him Mm -hmm. and I had no idea that at this time I had even called him and we talked, I don't know what we talked about. He says that we talked about how crazy like our night was. And I had told him about that guy and he said that I had said to him, okay, I made it to my apartment and I like, I just got here. I'm going to walk inside And then all of a sudden I said to him, I have to go. I have to go. And all of a sudden I hung up the phone and he said I was extremely frantic. What I remember from my own memory at this time is I remember standing outside my car and like everything just like going blurry. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, it was like tunnel vision. Everything around me was blurry. And all of a sudden I just started violently vomiting on the ground next to my car. And I remember like dropping to the ground and thinking like, holy fuck, like how am I going to get to my apartment? I faintly, I don't remember going from the car to the apartment. I remember, and this is a memory that I did not actually remember until months ago. Uh, Once I got to the front door on the patio, I was having trouble getting the key in the door. I couldn't figure out how to get the door open. And I was like fumbling trying to get in and like I was feeling really weak and I was going to fall down. And the memory that I did not remember until months ago is... I had actually tried to call the neighbor boy's brother because at the time they were just living behind us and we had talked to the neighbor boy's brother earlier that night and I was thinking, okay, well, it's like almost two in the morning. He's got to be home. Like if I can't get in my house, at least I can go sleep on his couch. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't would like figure out why am I so sick? Like, why is this happening? I just kept thinking like, I have to get to a couch. I have to get to a couch. And then that was like the last memory that I remember and then, then it's, I don't know how many hours go by, but next thing I know, I'm in a hospital in the middle of the hallway in a hospital bed, and I've got IVs on me, I've got all these monitors hooked up to me, and like all these people are running around, and I am wake up thinking, how the fuck did I get here? Mm-hmm. How the fuck did I get in this hospital bed? And I'm freaking out, and I'm just sobbing when I wake up. And the nurses and the paramedics were like, hey, calm down, you're okay, you're at the hospital. They're like, do you know your name? Do you know what city you're in? Do you know your date of birth? They're asking me my social. I can't remember my social. I can't remember, like, what city I'm at. I don't know what hospital I'm in because I've never been to a hospital here in Chattanooga. I don't know where the hell I'm at. I don't know what's going on. I'm just sobbing. And so the doctor comes up and he starts telling me, listen, you were brought in by an ambulance or, you know, not long ago from what we are being told is that you were possibly drugged tonight and we have done a toxicology. Ugh, I have chills. That makes me sick. Yeah. And he said, we've done a toxicology on you, and we're trying to get the toxicology back to find out what you've been given. These are the medications we've given you. These are the tests we've run. This is what we've done. And they said, we're going to bring, bring in a police officer to talk to you to find out what exactly happened. And I'm just, like, processing all this for the first time, so I just can't stop crying because I'm just like, uh, what do you mean I was drugged? What do you mean I'm drugged? Like, where am I? 
how did this happen? Who did it? You know, have I been hurt? Like, I didn't know. At that moment, I woke up like, have I been sexually assaulted? Because I don't know anything. The last thing I remember is leaving your apartment. Mm -hmm. Was I assaulted coming out of your apartment? Was I assaulted going into my apartment? Did somebody grab me when I was trying to get in my door? Like, have I been raped? Like, I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. at that point. And so that was extremely fucking scary, not knowing anything that happened to me. And they're asking me all these questions about my night, and I'm sobbing, telling them, I don't remember anything about my, my my night. I know that at one point I was at this place called Boneyard with my best friend. A guy that she's friends with showed up. I don't know who he is. Then we were at her apartment, and I was leaving, and then that's the last thing I remember at this point was leaving her apartment, and that's it. And so... As time goes on, the police officer comes in. They're questioning me. I have no answers. He said, is there any chance you've been sexually assaulted tonight? And I was like, I don't think so, but it could have happened, and I'm not aware of it. And so he is, we're going through all these things, and then they come back with the toxicology, and it shows on the toxicology that my alcohol limit was low enough to be driving. So there was almost no alcohol in my system. Like, I was legally allowed to drive with the amount of alcohol that was in my body. So proving that when I left your apartment, I was completely sober. Mm -hmm. And so what came back in my toxicology was benzodiazepine. Benzodiazepine is used for anxiety and can also be used for depression. And the way they explained it to me was that the benzodiazepine amount that was in my body was too much for my weight and my stature. And the milligram was too high. Accompanied with the alcohol, benzodiazepine and alcohol together is actually one of the most lethal combinations that you can have. And so basically they explained to me what happened is that my I was overdosing on the alcohol and the benzodiazepine together. Now had the benzodiazepine milligram not been as high as it was I may have not have overdosed but between alcohol and the lethal dose of benzodiazepine it threw my body into overdose which is why it took a little while for my body to start reacting to it because it wasn't the what was given to me by that guy was not actually a date rape drug it was a sedative and so that's why it took my body a little bit of time for it to react is the way the doctor explained it to me it wasn't because when you give somebody a date rape drug from what the doctor says you typically that kicks in within minutes but the reason that this was delayed was not actually a specific date rape drug it was just happened to be a sedative and so going back you know the next morning to my house I'm you know with my old roommate and I'm like what the fuck happened last night like what in the world like how the fuck did I end up in the hospital and so from what my old roommate had told me and then little pieces that I've put together since this has happened I she says that I came into her room around two ish two ten in the morning and from my phone calls the last phone call that I had made was to Jake and I had gotten off the phone with Jake sometime around like 147 in the morning so it took me from 147 to 210 to get into her wow. bedroom. And we found out that I was wearing different clothes from the time I was with you to time that I was getting home. I was wearing like shorts and like my normal like oversized hoodie by the time I got into her bedroom. So at some point between 147 from collapsing in my 
parking lot to getting into her bedroom. I had some point made my way into my bedroom to change. That next morning, we found my keys laying on my floor next to my dresser. So it showed that I had likely gone to my dresser to try and change. And she says that I had busted into her room and her friend was staying over that night. So I went to her side of the bed and I was trying to like shake her and wake her up. And she was like half asleep and she's like, what's wrong? And I said, I don't, I don't feel good. I said, something's wrong. I think something did, somebody did something to me. And she said, she had her first initial reaction was, oh my God, this dumbass went out and got fucking wasted. And now she's <laughs> sick. And of course that's going to be anybody's first thought. And her first thought isn't going to be like mm-hmm. something happened, especially when she's like half asleep. And so she said that once she came to, she finally realized that I was saying to her, I think somebody did something to me. And I fell over and collapsed onto her bedside table. And she goes, jumps out of bed and she picks me up and I just start like vomiting. And so she gets me to my bathroom and I'm like there on the toilet. And she said she had been asking me like, how much did you drink? How much did you drink? How much did you drink? And I kept telling her, I didn't drink. I didn't drink. I didn't drink. Something happened. Somebody did something to me. And she said she kept asking me like, who were you with? Who did this? And all I could say, it was that guy. It was that guy. It was that guy. And she goes, what's his name? And I was like, I don't know his name. It was that guy that we know. It was him. He had to have done it. There was nobody else. It was him. And so she gets me out of the bathroom. She says she lays me onto the couch. And I'm just still throwing up into the trash can. And then she's trying to ask me, like, hey, you know, can you hear me? Are you okay? And she said, all of a sudden, I just lay down onto the couch. My eyes roll into the back of my head. And then I completely stop responding to her. And she's, like, trying to shake me. And I'm just, like not waking up and nothing's happening and she looks it looks like I start to have a seizure but she's not 100% sure so she rolls me onto my left side and she calls 911 and she said it takes them just like a few minutes to get there and at this point I'm still like on the couch and I'm like not responsive at all she doesn't even know if I'm breathing by the time she gets back to the house and she tells the paramedics like she thinks somebody drugged her And, like, the second the paramedic came over to me and started checking me, he looks up at everybody and he says, she's overdosing on benzos. Wow. And the police officer that was there asked my old roommate, uh, does she often do benzos? Like, how often is she taking them? And, you know, is this a common occurrence for her? And she was like, no, absolutely not. Like, she does not do drugs. She does not do any illegal drugs. She doesn't take any prescription drugs. She needs medicine for ADHD and she refuses to take it. She does not do drugs. And he kept saying... Well, you know, this happens all the time. Girls do these kinds of things and they think that they're going to be fine. And then one time it ends up fatal. And he just kept saying, like, how much did she take? Where did she take it? Is it her prescription? Is it your prescription? Is it somebody else's prescription? And she just kept telling the cop, no, she did not do this to herself. She was out with our friend. Somebody drugged her. She did not do this. And the cop kept brushing it off like, yeah, whatever, you know, she did this to herself. And she says that they finally get me out into the ambulance. And this is something that over time I remembered. And it's just like very faint. And I remember being in the ambulance and my eyes just like not being able to stay open. And all of a sudden I would start like shaking really bad. And then I would just start staring straight on. And the paramedic asked me, do you have seizures? Like, are you prone to seizures and do you take seizure medication? And I told him, no, I I don't. And he's noticed that I was having seizures every time I would stare off into space I was having a seizure like a little seat like yeah I was having a seizure every time that happened and he just kept saying to me it's gonna be okay we're gonna get you there just hold on and I 
faintly remember him putting an IV in me to get fluids in me. And he said he was putting something else in the IV. I can't remember exactly what it was. That ambulance ride, from what I remember, felt like an hour long. But apparently the hospital was only eight minutes from our apartment. Because I just was not with it at all. And so after that happened and I came home and I'm like going through all these things with her, like trying to like gain some type of memory of like what happened. I think that's the most scary part is like, I don't know what happened, Mm -hmm. you know, and hearing this cop ask me like, is there any chance you've been sexually assaulted? And like not knowing whether I had been sexually assaulted, that's fucking scary for anybody. Cause you just don't know. And like the loss of time out of everything and the loss of knowing and not being in control of that time and knowing what happened, that's the scariest part out of everything. Because legitimately anything could have happened to me that night, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we did come to the consensus that I was not sexually assaulted, thank God. Mm-hmm. But it's just the not knowing is fucking, in, like, an insane feeling. Yeah. And so after all this happens, I didn't even know that she had been calling you, trying to, like, get a hold of you. And she just kept, until that next morning when I got home from the hospital, and she just kept saying, like, have you tried to call her? Have you tried to get a hold of her? And then I'm like, well, it's like 6.30 in the morning. You know, she's probably still sleeping. And she was like, we got to figure out who did this. And I just finally was trying to remember who the fuck did it. And that's when I said there was this guy that she went out on a date with earlier in the week that she told us about. And I remember him showing up at that first bar. And I said, it had to have been him. I said, there is nobody else. I said, I remember that guy buying us a drink. It had to have been him. I don't know who else it could have been. And I said, there may be somebody that I had been talking to and maybe they did it. I said, but it, I said, like, didn't it, talk to anybody. Yeah. I can't, I, yeah, I guess it's always possible that there could be some crazy explanation, but we didn't talk to anybody. No. And now we know for a fact that that guy's in jail right now. Yeah. For other crazy reasons. Yeah. And it just took matter of like piecing things together of like, trying to put that together that night together fully of just like of what I remember, what you remember, what she remembers and like piecing it together. And I remember calling my mom, my birth mom the next day and telling her, you know, just sobbing on the phone like I don't know what the fuck just happened. I was like I almost just died last night like it, well, literally within minutes like had my old roommate not made that 911 call when she did, I would have died right there in our apartment that night from overdose. And it's like, not only did that night affect me, but it's like, because I overdosed, I actually started having effects from the overdose for, God, it felt like two months. I had just started a new job with a new company at a new clinic, and I was struggling so bad. I couldn't remember things. I was like overly fatigued all the time. Like, I couldn't remember. I'd be in the middle of, like, saying a sentence, and then my bl- my brain would just, like, go blank, and I couldn't remember anything that I was doing at all. I was really agitated and just a constant brain fog. And this was during this time that I was doing this was that night that uh, I was going over to the neighbor boys to hang out with him. That was, like, the first time we were supposed to hang out, like, as friends. And I was going over there to, like, make tacos or whatever. No, he asked you out. Oh, and yeah, said, that's right. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, so he, um, we had, earlier in the week, we had agreed to go out and, like, grab a drink and, like, hang out. And I was not ready to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I was not ready to talk about it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't talk about it. I was, it was, like, so shameful and so yeah. embarrassing. 
we like obviously my side is so different from your side. Yeah. But the shame and the guilt, I felt so, and it was no one's. It wasn't either one of our faults. No. The responsibility that I held because it was someone that I went on a date. I went on that date. He was there. He walked up to us because I went on a date with him. Oh, like just I couldn't. I didn't leave my apartment. I, you know. I had to go home a week early. Yeah, like all of a sudden you call and you're like, by the way, I'm on my way to Indiana. And I'm like, why? Why are you going to Indiana? Well, I was like, there, and I knew. Well, it's scary. Yeah, and I just was like, you know what? This is the end. This is. You couldn't even leave your apartment without worrying whether you're going to run into him or not. I thought he was going to come back from, I thought he was going to find out. I thought he was going to be around every corner. He, how did he know to show up at that bar? First of all, he didn't know where I was. How did he know where I was? And we had so many thoughts going through our head. Yes. We were like, was it your Snapchat location? Was yeah. it your Apple location? And I remember even telling you, you need to search all of your clothing for an Apple tag that you wore that night. Look in your jacket, look in, because it was, you know, in yeah. closing to the end of summer, you wore a jacket that night and your yeah. jeans and your boots. And I told you, check your jacket for an Apple tag, check your jeans for an Apple tag. I said, yeah. that guy could have put anything on you. And then when I remember we anything. checked your Snapchat location mm-hmm. and like, you blocked him on there. Yeah, he was blocked on everything. He never had he never had access to anything. I still to this day will never know how he if he just got lucky <laughs> or if it if he knew. I, I think I wanna say I maybe mentioned like he can go to that spot and he just tripped. Because he's not actually from the Chattanooga area either. Oh, he he's like from 20, thirty minutes away. He, yeah. And people who do live in that area do come to Chattanooga often. But it's just weird that he's not specifically from the Chattanooga area and he beelined straight to you at that bar. And it's like, how the hell did he know that you were there? Or was it really just like luck of the draw? Well, and then he said, oh, I was bouncing around all over. And that was where our first date was. We went to uh, Nick and Norma's right in that whole. Sp- he was right in that. Sp- he goes, oh, I went to stir. I went to. He was going right in the same spots where he knew knows that I like to go. Like, yeah. Was that a coincidence or was that, I have no idea, but it, it's so scary. I can't even, ugh, this is like, we make light of it sometimes. Like, oh yeah, when Kenzie almost died. Because like you have yeah. to like laugh it off. You have to laugh it off because, because it's, it's very. Every time I think about no, it okay. this deeply, I'm nervous right now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, because it's scary. It's, yeah. you know. Yeah, neighbor, poor neighbor boy. Oh, yeah. Let me go back to that. Yeah. So we finally, for the first time ever, we made plans. This is like nine months into sleeping together. He finally scores a date with you and you're like, yo, can't do it. Nine months into sleeping together, we finally make plans to hang out outside of the bedroom. and We're going to go grab drinks together. And he was confirming for that weekend. And I said, and I was joking about it, too, at that point, because I was, like, so nervous to talk about it. And I had said something along the lines of, because uh, I think he, he went out of town the weekend. The weekend that this happened, he was out of town, but his brother was home. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, this weekend, I was going to go draw a wiener on the back of your truck window, but Thankfully for you, I couldn't because I almost died. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he was like, okay, first of all, glad you didn't draw a wiener on my truck. Second of all, what the fuck happened? And then I was like, okay, we have to have like a serious conversation about for this. Yeah, for the first time ever, we have to have a serious conversation. I'm also canceling our date and I'm, I'm going to have to be vulnerable. <laughs> like, this sucks. And then you end up going to his house for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, I can't do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So like in the message, I just kind of told him, you know, I know we were supposed to go out to the bar and like have a drink and like go out to dinner or whatever I said. But last weekend, while Jen and I were out, this is what happened. Somebody drugged me. I overdosed. I did almost die. And I said, I'm not in a position where I am ready to even leave my house, let alone be out at a restaurant. I'm too scared to even go to a sit down restaurant, let alone going out to be around alcohol. I said, I can't do it. I said, I'm really sorry. I was like, if you are okay with hanging out at your house, that's something I would be open to. And like, we can, I can cook dinner at your house, but I'm not in a position to be going out right now. And he was like, holy fuck. Like, I cannot believe that happened to you. He was like, why would somebody do something so awful? And he was like, I'm open to whatever you want to do. If you want to postpone this entire thing, we can. He's like, if you feel comfortable with coming over to my house, I'm more than happy with that. And even that I was scared to do. And that's mm-hmm. somebody that I fully trust. Mm-hmm. And that's somebody I feel safe with. And that's somebody I don't ever feel like would hurt me physically at all. And even then I was scared to death to go to his house. And it was like, how the fuck did I just go from being somebody who felt okay and content around people I'm safe with? And now I feel like Everyone's I can't trust dangerous. Him. Yeah. And so I go over to his house and his brother was there. And the three of us, I was so scared to do anything that I stood at his counter in his kitchen, like, the entire time. And it was because they both were having a drink, like, a beer, and, like, Mm -hmm. his brother was having, like, liquor or something. And I brought myself a six-pack just to see if, like, I could pop it open and drink it, and I couldn't even touch it. And so the whole time that I was there, which was not very long... I stood at the counter because, like, I did not want to go in the living room with either of them. Which is really hard because, again, this is somebody, like, I've been sleeping with for nine months. I fully trust. Like, mm-hmm. I'm physically and safe the with. brother's a friend. He's a nice guy. He's such a nice He's guy. Cool. Sometimes I like the brother more than I do the neighbor boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was scared to death to, like, actually be there with the both of them. And most of the time I tried to play it off like, oh, I can't be here. This is too awkward. Which it was awkward aside from, like, all the shit that happened and the things I was feeling. It was a little awkward because it's like the first time we're like hanging out together outside the bedroom. But when it came down to it, I really was just like not feeling comfortable or feeling okay. And I was having a lot of brain frog from the overdose. And so I just felt like I couldn't make conversation. And this is like a lot at one time. And so like after like an hour and a half of being there, we were in the middle of conversation and all of a sudden I started getting like really panicked. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to go home. Like, I got things I got to do, and I was like, thanks for having me. And I just remember, like, packing up all my shit really quick and, like, leaving. Mm-hmm. And him being like, okay, well, thanks for coming over. Because him, him, and, him and I were supposed to have dinner together, and I was supposed to hang out the rest of the night. And then, obviously, we were going to hook up. Like, that mm-hmm. was just, like, a no-brainer. But I couldn't let it happen. I just, like, I couldn't fucking let it happen. And so I got home, and I texted him, and I was like, hey, listen, I know we're supposed to hang out. I was like, but, like, I'm not okay. And I was like... I got so much brain fog and I'm still like so triggered by like everything. I was like, I had to come home. Mm-hmm. Like, it took a long time to feel normal. It took so long to like feel normal around. And that has anybody. changed our behavior forever. Forever. Go out. There was just a couple of weeks after it happened. And my old roommate and I went to dinner with some of her coworkers. And this is the first time I had been out of the house in weeks after this happened. And... I was just like, okay, let me try and order, like, a cocktail and see how it goes. Because, like, I'm here with girlfriends and my it's daughter. A restaurant. Yeah, like. It's family it's, time. Yeah, we're good. And so 
I they bring the cocktail. It was we had a male waiter, which I think was probably the biggest trigger. We had a male waiter. He brings the cocktail to the table, and I'm just staring at it, and I'm just like, "Fuck, mm-hmm. like shit." I was like, I can't touch it. I can't touch it. Like, I can't fucking touch it. And I get so fidgety when I'm nervous. And, like, my old roommate picks up on that. And she texts me at the table. And she's like, are you okay? She's like, I can see it in your eyes. You good? And I'm like, no. I was (laughs) like, I'm not good. And so I, like, convinced myself to pick up this cocktail and start drinking it. Because I'm like, this is, we're at a restaurant. Like, nothing's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. So I take a couple drinks, get instantly panicked, like, Oh my god! Like he he had he probably put something in the drink on the way back from the kitchen. Like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he do that? Like that's like the perfect opportunity to drug me, coming back from the kitchen. Which sucks because now yeah. everybody now it's like that's everything. Right? Everything that's I everything. do it with everything, and it's not even just men that I'm like that with. It's literally everybody around me that I question these things, and so I put down the cocktail. Could not touch it the rest of the time. And so she picks it up and starts drinking it. And, like, in my head, I see that she's perfectly fine drinking the cocktail and that nothing happened to it. But in my head, had I picked that up, mm-hmm. I would have got drugged again. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, it went on like that for months and months and months and months. And then there was a time where I had told you guys I can't drink unless we leave, we are in the house. Like, mm-hmm. if we're going to have any types of drinks, I have to drink at home. I can't be drinking out. I stopped dating completely. Too scared to go on dates because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. That was a huge shift that, like, I could not do it. And that was right around the time that I had matched with Short's dad. And I had – we were texting and him and I were, like, hitting it off at this time. that's why you had postponed for so long. Yeah, we postponed it for canceled. a month. And we had sucked because we hit it off so well. And he had asked me out on a date, but I canceled. And so for a month, I postponed that the longest I could. And then I finally, in therapy, you know, was just thinking – you know, why am I letting him take so much control over my life and, like, the way I do things? And and a lot of it really, and not only is it, like, I'm having, like, my own guilt and shame, I also have people on the outside who don't really know what's going on also shaming me for it, you know? And it's, like, how the hell can you shame somebody for something like that when it wasn't even, they, I didn't put myself in a position for that to happen. You did not put yourself in a position for that to happen. It's nobody's fault. But then when you're already having your own guilt and shame over this, and for me, I had added mom guilt on. Mm Because it's like, had I died that night, my daughter would have been without a mom. So then I got all that playing in my head. Like, I went out that night, and I allowed myself to be in a position where I got drugged. When And real. Yeah, that's not real. That's not real have to you know still live your life you have to be able to do both you can yeah you are such a great mom and you still need to be able to go and have a freaking beer once in a yeah blue moon yeah and there's nothing wrong with that not at all but yeah you have that guilt because i come and i and on my end too it's why didn't i just tell him hey i'm not interested i could have made up a different reason maybe if i would have cut it off and use my words yeah (laughs) i hate using my words maybe he wouldn't have Maybe he, I would have, you know, it's all what it should, what it should, yeah. could have. <laughs> all of it is like, what could I have done to prevent but that? At the end of the day, it could have been have prevented. Be women. Yeah. No. <laughs> and what's scary is one them. thing I found out so much, and I kind of touched on this in the beginning of the episode, is that when I felt more comfortable opening up about it, because like even today, I still carry a lot of guilt and shame over that entire thing, and it is getting better. It just, what, intensified as that guilt and shame as the people from the outside who did shame me for it and like oh well she fucking put herself in that position especially when 
it's being told to me from like people that I'm close with like oh yeah well so and so is saying this about it and they're saying that you did it to yourself and victim blaming me and doing this it's like it adds to that and so I was scared to openly talk about it and at, it, at work with my new job, it was 100% affecting my work. Like I couldn't, I'd be standing there in the middle of doing something and like all of a sudden my, blank, my brain would just go blank and I couldn't remember what I was doing. And as somebody who's working in surgery, you can't fucking do that. Mm-hmm. You can't. Like that is such a liability. And so it was affecting my job, you know, and now I have to tell my brand new boss, okay, well, listen, the reason that my job performance is being affected is because I got drugged and overdosed a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and it is legitimately affecting me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's on top of it is added things. And so it's just like, I was a little scared to talk about it. And finally I was like, you know what? I have to talk about it. So I started openly talking about it. And the day that I started talking about it openly outside of my family and our friend group, all these people were like, Oh my God, you know what? That happened to me. That actually happened to me twice before. And I'm like, wait, what? Like mm-hmm. twice, like that happened to you. And then once I start talking to more people about it, I've had men, my guy friends who I've talked to about it. It and, happens to so many yeah, men. Yeah, and they were like, oh, I've had that happen to me before. They were like, I was out and somebody drugged me. And they were like, next thing I know, like, I'm collapsed on the floor. And I'm just thinking, wait, how, why did you get drugged? You're a guy. Like, that's crazy. And yeah. it's like, I, it's like, what is your, like, what was your intention by drugging that guy? You know, it's just scary. But it's like, if this is happening. Well, I guess you could guess, but it's just like, what are the intentions of people that get drugged and then they just. Nothing ever yeah, happens. Then, is it like somebody, is it whoever is, is drugging them? Is it to see? Yeah. What, to, or is it know. like the person that's drugging them getting off on the fact that they're watching them from afar? Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it, but there's such a stigma around it, which is such an awful thing. And you know and, what I hate that I think is not funny is. Anytime we go out, because we're so, especially, I know I go out more than you, but I'm really crazy about, like, if I go to the bathroom, I say, hey, will you hold my drink? I said, don't watch it. Don't set it down and start talking to someone. I want you to hold my drink, and I don't want you to let it out of your sight until I'm back. Like, yeah, I'm not asking you to, like, stand near it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not doing me yeah. any good. No. And if I'm, I occasionally, like, I've gone out, I go to, like, not so much now, now that I know mm-hmm. people, but especially before when before I had friends, I'd go out to dinner all the time. I'd sit at a restaurant bar and I'd go to eat. And if I went to the bathroom, I'd ask the bartender, hey, I have to run to the restroom. Can you can you put my drink on the other side and will you watch? Yeah. And like, I, you know, but the people, yeah. like, fr- even friends, people do not realize. People are so insensitive. Oh, yeah, let me put something in it. And it's the because they of, have no idea that last summer. Yeah. yeah. They have no idea what we went through last summer and how bad that rocked everybody and how bad it affected me and you and my family. And it even affected my daughter because I had to sit down and talk to her about it because she was being babysat the night that that happened. And the one time that I allowed her to be babysat, this happened. Mm-hmm. And it was affecting her mm-hmm. because I had to sit down and I had to talk to her about it because when she woke up the ambulance was leaving our house so she's like of course gonna ask you know why was there an ambulance here and it's like she was waking up in the morning crying I wasn't able to go anywhere because if I left the house to go to work and she was being babysat she would cry and be like are you coming home Mm -hmm. and it's like nobody around us really truly knows how bad it affected us because they have not lived it Mm -hmm. and so I feel I'm like that too and 
especially when I started months, like four months down the road, when I started feeling comfortable being around people in public again, people would offer me a drink and I would be like, no, thank you. I can't take that. And they would be offended by it. And then I'd have to be like, oh, well, you know, listen, I was drugged last year. It's nothing against you. Yeah, I'm over. I'm still offended. Like, well, I'm not going to drug you. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. But I don't know that. You still, it's, you still can't take a drink that you haven't seen me poured. Because I don't know. Yeah. Because I just don't know. And even now, if I like have somebody that I know even holding my drink or something, Mm -hmm. if I felt like they had it too long, even though I know who they are, if I even feel like they had it too long, I'll still like pour it out. Like if there's any, if the thoughts and like the memories pop in my head when I go to grab the drink from whoever was holding it for me, I just toss it because it's like. It, like even our best guy friends, even our best female friends, mm-hmm. if if I go to grab that drink from them and I, they've been holding it for me because I've been in the bathroom and if the thoughts pop up in my head, hey, mm-hmm. that could have been. T- what could happen when someone was holding? I would have freaking threw it away. I'll throw it away. Yeah. Because it's like a, I just I'm too scared to risk it. One time ever I was again. with a group of I was the only girl in the group. This was months ago, and I asked one of our really close friends to hold. Watch, hey, watch my drink. Hold it. Put your hand over it. Do the things. I completely trusted them. I'm like, oh, I got you, I got you. I got to back and I come back. What does that motherfucker do? He sat it down to start talking. I was like, dude, you didn't listen. Like, this is serious. And you have like, to actually dude. listen. He's like, I haven't, it's nothing's happened. I, I just sat it down. I said, no, I'm not touching that. <laughs> you don't because know. they don't get it. Like, when that guy drugged me that night, the conclusion that we had come up with from just from what we remember and what I remember was that, because we were standing right in front of that guy. Mm-hmm. While he was getting the drinks from the he bartender, his back to grab the drinks, slipped it in there, literally dropped the powder over the top of the beer or bottle. Whatever it was, my bartender friend said that people will hold it in, but obviously I don't yeah. know. I, we didn't ask her camera footage, but the my bartender girlfriend she said that people will like put it in their knuckles and hold the drink on top and then drop just it drop in, it in there. And yeah. then and then I said, well, it was in a can, isn't that way harder? She goes, no, it's way easier in a can because you're not looking at anything. Oh, I thought we had beer bottles. Nothing dissolved. Just <laughs> how much I remember. <laughs> and um, so yeah, it was. I mean, it had to have taken him a split second because we really were right at the bar, but we were talking when he was grabbing them. Yeah. You know, and then there. we came to the consensus that the beer that he had handed you specifically. Yeah. Was the beer that had the benzodiazepine mm-hmm. in it, and that was meant for you. Yeah. And you handed me the beer because you thought, oh, well, he misunderstood me, and Kenzie's yeah, the one who wanted Ultra. wanted the Michelob Ultra. So, so I, you handed it to me. So at the end, at the end of the day, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> Am I liable? Like my God. Yeah. Oh. At the end of the day, you were the one that was a target, which is scary because. Yeah. Well, and 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 and, what if he was successful in separating us? And what if I did take that and then you went home because you went home and I didn't get sick until after. And then I'm in my apartment by myself. Yeah. I got a couple, I got a couple extra pounds on you. Maybe I wouldn't yeah. have taken me out, but. <laughs> no, but you could, if it did, you could have overdosed this and died. so scary. To and think like, like, all the different scenarios in which this could have played out is so sick. sickening. And what's even scarier is, like, that doubt in our heads of, like, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe somebody else yeah, did it, it or, like, you know, anybody in that place. We'll but then, know. months later, mm-hmm. he gets posted on Facebook, mm-hmm. and this woman is like, hey, watch yourself around this guy. And then we realize it was him. Mm-hmm. And he, the picture she posted, he just, and he was a school teacher. Yeah, that was another thing when we were 
talking on our date, he said he's doing a career change. Uh, he was fired. <laughs> yeah, from being a teacher, which I feel like maybe because kinda he had hard to assault get... charges on his. Yeah. Which Family. we didn't know yeah, at obviously. that point. Obviously was not aware. No, so the, we didn't find out about these assault charges until this girl posts this in on Facebook about him. And I just start sobbing reading this entire thing because this post about him said that he was currently back in jail for breaking his parole mm-hmm. because he had held his wife and kids at gunpoint mm-hmm. prior to meeting you. And of course he didn't talk about it. And that was the situation talk about is because of how serious it was. And the girl who started dating him after this scenario happened also was not aware that he was out on parole Mm -hmm. for this entire situation. And, or no, sorry, he was not out on parole. He was out on bond waiting his trial. And so he had broken that bond and got sent back to jail. And it's just like, oh my God. You just don't know... Again, he's handsome. He's educated. He's so good looking. He's tall. Friendly. Very charismatic. You never would have guessed. Never would have guessed. Yeah. You know, and it just falls back into like being as safe as we can. And and I'm still guilty of making some decisions that aren't always the safest, even Mm -hmm. after that, when it comes to dating. And I don't think there's really any I don't think you're ever going to be safe out here in the dating world unless you're just not dating. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any way to 100% protect yourself when it comes to dating, but there is precautions that you can take, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure that you are staying safer. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, when you're out here dating or honestly just out here doing your thing, I don't think there's actually any way to 100% fully protect yourself. And that's where it falls into we all need to protect each other. And we all need to make sure that we're doing what we can to not shame and stigmatize people when these kinds of things happen. 